Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how many of you want to go on harvest now? How many of you have ever been on harvest? Well, a few. Uh, when, I, when I got my 16th uh, uh, birthday driver's license in May, I immediately left and went on uh, harvest. And so we went through Oklahoma and Texas, the panhandle of Texas, and through uh, western Kansas and eastern Colorado, all the way up into Wyoming. And so we were gone all summer, came back for school. I made 700 and something dollars and bought a 1966 Pontiac Bonneville that was about as long as this section right here. <laughs> made out of steel. I think they could use that in the Ukraine maybe now for the Russian war. I tell you what, it's about like a tank. You know, when, when you go through uh, harvest, you, you meet a lot of people. We lived in a, in a bus that was converted to have bunk beds in it, slept in barns. But how many of you know the harvest, according to the Bible, will always be here? Stand with me this morning. So good to see you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Congratulations to all the seniors. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful to be here to worship you, learn of your word, to give you praise. We love you. We exalt you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Question, are you more likely to cut yourself with a sharp knife or a dull knife? Well, consensus is you're most likely to cut yourself with a dull knife because uh, you're going to give more pressure and you're going to exert yourself and probably you're not going to maintain control with the dull knife because you're going to try to get it to do things you can't do. So you're probably going to cut yourself more with a dull knife. That's why we need to be sharp. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen, you need to be sharp because part of the harvest is remaining sharp. I uh, want to read these verses that some of you saw on the screen, Genesis 8, 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease, Proverbs 10, 5, he who gathers in the summer is a wise son, he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Jeremiah 50, 16, the Lord speaks of him who handles the sickle at harvest time, Joel 3, 13, put the sickle in because the harvest is ripe. And probably the most uh, notable verse is Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, 38. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Sounds like post-COVID, doesn't it? Laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And staying sharp in reference to the harvest is always positioning ourselves for an increase. Um, if you have harvest, you're increasing. Increase, how many of you, uh, you, you probably need some increase in your life. How many of you could use some increase? Increase in productivity, increase in profitability, uh, maybe increase in your family, your marital relationships, increase in your friendship, uh, maybe increase in your profits. So all those increases are good. You know, uh, part of my family's here today, and uh, our, our family's increasing, and so they've been here for a couple of days, and grandkids like to sleep with grandparents. How many of you have ever noticed that? And so uh, Saturday morning when I got up, I gave Carrie a, a huge revelation. I said, we're buying a king-size bed. 
So only in the last three years we've had grandchildren. So a, a, a queen-size bed, queen bed has been great for Carrie and I. But, uh, you know, we, we have more grandkids now, and, and now they're coming in multiples. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're fixing to have twins. And so I told Carrie, I said, we're going to have a king-size bed before long because the last couple of nights I've slept in the recliner or on this much space. And how many of you know this much space is not enough for me? So, you know, you have to have some enlargement and you have to have some productivity. And so we decided, I decided, uh, Carrie didn't have any trouble. She was in the middle, but uh, I, I need some increase. And to do that, we have to stay sharp. So the verses I read, let me just give you about five observations here. There is a harvest, and there will always be a harvest. If we gather the harvest, we are wise. If we, if we don't, we're sons and daughters who cause shame to the Father. Uh, we must handle the sickle to reap the harvest. Number four, the harvest is plentiful. And lastly, we are to be the laborers who are sent out to the field for the harvest. So the harvest, in a spiritual sense, is the harvest of souls. Now, most of you know that one day the Lord's going to come back and there's going to be the end of this age. I want all of you to make heaven. How many of you know it's going to be a good thing for you to make heaven? You don't want to go to the other place, not cool at all. And I mean that more than one way, not cool at all. Some of you will get that on the way home. But I'm saying is that we have a harvest, and some of the criticism that we've gotten over the years is, well, you know, y'all are just doing things to be better than somebody else. You're just trying to show off, you know, you, you have this, and, 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 you know, technology is good, and, and computers are good, and laser things are good, and, and all those things are good. But let me tell you, the only reason we should have them is for the harvest. The only reason you should be on the cutting edge spiritually is for the harvest, because the harvest is important. We need to be concerned about the harvest, and the Lord has sent us out into the fields as laborers to bring forth His harvest. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now, what I've done is made an acrostic. I don't do this much, but I did it for this morning. The acrostic sharp. Say that with me. Sharp. So if I'm going to be sharp, number one, I have to be shaped. So the S is for shaped. If you're going to sharpen a knife, if you're going to sharpen a blade, if you're going to sharpen anything, you have to remove something from it to get the edge. You cannot have an edge without removing something from it. That's why we have grinders. That's why we have files. That's why we have whetstones. Because we take a piece of metal, we take some ceramic or whatever it is, and then we begin to take something off of it to have an edge. And so we must remove something to have the edge, your lawnmower blades, uh, your knife, your, your pocket knife. Uh, we, we, uh, we cut hay, and sometimes we cut wheat, and to cut hay, we have a swather. Now, this may be a word that you don't use much. We you use it a lot. A swather is a mower that you have for hay. Now, the old uh, combines and swathers had sickle mowers, and if you know anything about a sickle mower, it, it went back and forth, and there were blades in it. I remember one time my grandfather and I was trying to slide the blades out to sharpen them or replace some of them, and we're having a hard time to get back in, and you see, Grandpa was old school, and he said, son, the only thing I know to do is just hit it harder. 
Uh, how many of you know that philosophy when you're working out? It's kind of redneck philosophy, and let's just hit it harder, see if it works. But our mower, our swather that we cut hay, has what we call like turtle shells, and it has blades on each end, and there's several of them that go across. And those blades, they spin at a very high rate, and they're, uh, they're really, in a way, programmed, uh, you know, the way they're geared, that, that one blade won't click against the other, and it cuts, it cuts the hay. Now, you have to put blades on that are sharp, and after you use them for a while, you have to go resharpen those blades because those blades are pretty expensive, and if you don't resharpen them, it gets dull. So we take a grinder, we flip it up, we sharpen the blades, and you only sharpen them for so long. Uh, after a while, they look like little arrowheads, and you have to replace the blades with sharp blades because if you don't, this is what happens. You look behind the tractor, you look behind the swather, and you're leaving some of the hay you're leaving some of the harvest, so we have to stay sharp to get as much harvest as we can. Does that make sense? Because we don't want to miss anybody. If you're here today, I don't want to miss you. Now, you may be here by compulsion. Say, well, I was invited to church. I really don't want to be there. Listen, I understand that. That's how I got in church. Because my wife said, you know, are you going to go to church? And I tell her, no, 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 no. And finally I showed up, and I showed up against my will, kind of. How many of you know, God knows what he's going to do for you. He's got your number, and he did mine. So I showed up, and, and, and I was part of the harvest. But you've got to be sharp to have the harvest. God does not really get into dull Christians. Let me preach to this side over here. Okay. God's really not into dull Christians. So if you've been in the kingdom for a long time and you've kind of let yourself go and you haven't shown up and you haven't prayed and you haven't really been in the Word, you've got a little dull and sometimes, and let me just talk about me, I'll leave you out of the loop, sometimes there's some things in my life i got to get out of my life to keep the edge. Because the world has a way of putting stuff into your life and making the priority of God way down to something way up and you get dull and you're not as sharp as you should be for the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, that's good preaching. I know it when I hear it. So there are some things in my life that makes me dull. And I've got to remove those things to stay sharp. In the physical, this is what we know, if you have the, the right nutrition, if you eat the right foods, you're sharper in your physicality, and certainly that's true for all of us. I mean, what are you ingesting in your life? What are you allowing in your ears and into your mind? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you thinking about? Because some of those things could either dull you or sharpen you. So the things that dull me, I need to move out. The things that sharpen me, I need to move in. There are literally some things I've got to remove in my life to keep that sharp edge. That's why we pray. That's why we fast. Because we want to be sharp believers. Can I hear an amen? You know, I was researching this. As a matter of fact, this is actually something I brought to our staff about three weeks ago. And uh, I said, you know, I, I just want to share something with you. And the staff said, why don't you preach that next time you preach? I said, well, that's fine. But I, I began to research this. So this is Harvard Health. Harvard. And the Harvard Health Review said the number one thing for you to remain sharp in your life, this is number one, listen, number one, is you have to keep on learning. If you keep on learning, you'll stay sharp. 
So young people, uh, uh, graduates today, some people when they leave school, they never read another book. They never know, go to another class. They never go to another seminar. Let me tell you, as believers, we need to keep on learning. You, you, you don't get to a place where you say, okay, I've arrived, I've stopped. And, and let me tell you something. God knew this before Harvard. Isn't that amazing? God knew this before Harvard. So this is uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. But I don't usually do this, but I want to bring a passage out of the Living Bible, which really kind of explains it a little deeper. I'm going to back up a little bit to verse 12. I don't mean to say I'm perfect. This is Paul speaking. I haven't learned all that I should even yet but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be no dear brothers I am I, I, I still n not all uh, I'm still not all that I should be but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing forgetting the past looking forward to what lies ahead I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling Paul said I have learned and I am learning and I'm pressing to the mark okay Paul you're ahead of Harvard because the one thing we do we keep learning we keep receiving we, we keep getting and it's interesting to me that Paul when he writes his second letter to a young minister by the name of Timothy and this may be one of the last letters he writes because he's in prison, he's in house arrest, and then he'll be in a dungeon or a jail in Rome, which is horrible. And then he writes back to this young protege by the name of Timothy, and I want to tell you what he says. Be diligent to come to me. Bring my cloak, my books, and the parchments. My cloak, my books, and the parchments. At this time, most likely, this man, Paul, has already been sentenced to death. In a few days, weeks, or months, he's going to lay his head down on the chopping block, and the executioner is going to take a sword or an axe or some type of sharp edge and going to decapitate the Apostle Paul. But before he dies, he says, Bring my cloak, the books, and the parchments, I'm going to keep learning. I'm going to stay sharp until the day I die. Man, I'm about to get excited. Because we need a church, we need believers that have a sharp edge because God has called you to his field to reap a harvest for this end time. And I believe we're headed to the end time because we are people who can be shaped to be sharp. Keep learning, keep pressing, keep moving forward. Now here, here's the H. The S is shape, the H is for the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're not quite as good as you think you are. Okay, I better explain that. We, we don't want to have any problems at lunch today. <laughs> but you're not quite as good as you think you are because with the Holy Spirit, you're better than you could ever be. Okay, how many of you know we all need help? 
I'm glad I'm in a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, we don't just talk about it. We, we don't just refer to it. Listen, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you can do things, you can accomplish things, you can press forward in things with the Holy Spirit that you could never, ever do in your carnality or in your physicality or on your own. And I think we're in agreement with that. So the Holy Spirit is my helper. So we're going to talk about the, the nature and the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is my helper, helps me to be sharp, teaching me, the Holy Spirit's the teacher, guiding me, the Holy Spirit's the guide, comforting me because the Holy Spirit's our comforter, gifting me with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if I have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we go to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, whether it be wisdom or knowledge or faith, it, it could be prophecy or uh, interpretation of tongues or tongues. I mean, it could be discernment of spirit. It could be healings. I mean, there's all kind of things the Holy Spirit can do through your life you cannot do on your own. Or we could go to Romans 12. I mean, you could be a great teacher. You could have the gift of giving or mercy. You could have leadership. And all those things are important, and you cannot do those things at the level you could do without the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is what? To help you, guide you, teach you, empower you to be sharper than you could ever be on your own. And so therefore, I can be sharp with the Holy Spirit's help. Gracing me with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, some of you, including me, would not be so nice if the Holy Spirit wasn't gracing you with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, kindness, patience. Some of you are smiling at me and saying, Lord, touch them by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit keeps us sharp in the edge of our life so that we can be people that are sharp. So here's the A into sharp. It is attitude. Say that with me. Attitude. Everybody has an attitude. It's either good or bad. How many of you know some people who have a bad attitude? Don't look at them. Don't say their name out. But what is attitude? Well, part of attitude is mindset. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You can renew your mind to be thinking about, being uh, walking in, and being that person who's in the good, acceptable, and what perfect will of God. It is your outlook. It is your perspective. It is your view. How in the world... Can 12 spies go into the promised land and see two things when they saw the same thing? You see, Moses, by the call of God, said, spy out the land. So 12 spies go out. You know the story. And so here they go. But when they see the same thing, same city, same people, same scenario, there's two reports. One said, we're well able to take this land. The other said, there's no way we can take this land. There are walled cities there. There are giants there. We look like grasshoppers next to them. So what is the problem? The problem is not what they saw. The problem is the attitude in which they saw it. Some saw it with faith. They saw it in promise. They, they saw it that God would keep his word. And we are well able to do this because God said we could. And I'm going to have the attitude of faith that I will do what God said I can do. But if you don't watch it, you'll have a nasty, stinky, unfaithful attitude. And let me tell you, life is better 
when you have the right attitude. Life is better for the people around you if you have the right attitude. Some of you are smiling at me again. I'm just telling you, you know that attitude is extremely important. John Maxwell said, attitudes are nothing more than habits of thought. James Allen said, men do not attract which they want, they attract that which they are. And then Lou Holtz, the spiritual uh, football leader of Arkansas and Notre Dame, said ability is what you're capable of doing. Motivation determines what, what you do. Attitude determines how well you do it. And that is really true. Attitude's important. Now, here, here's the R, relationships. Say that with me, relationships. So the R in sharp is relationships. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so does the countenance of one person to another or their friends. You see, I'm better when I'm around you. According to this verse, we are shaped, we are sharpened by interaction with other people. So that's why we should assemble together. That's why we should interact together. That's why we should be together, because if we are with the right people, those relationships do shape us and sharpen us. Have you ever heard this? My parents said this to me a time or two. Birds of a feather flock together. How many of you liked to hear that when you were teenagers? I didn't. But how many of you know later you realize that's exactly true? You are a product in some way of the people you hang out with. If you're hanging out with the wrong people, let me tell you what they're doing. They're dulling your life. You hang around with the right people, you know what they're doing? They're sharpening your life. You're better because you're hanging out with them. Someone said you're the product and the average of the top five people you spend your time with, and there's a lot of truth to that. Because what? The Bible says that if we hang out with the right people, we are being sharpened in our life and not dulled in our life. This is Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. So our relationships are very, very important. Now here's the last one. This is the P of, of, of sharp. It is purpose and cause. Purpose and cause. I don't take a baseball bat to go cut down a tree. If you take a baseball bat to cut down a tree, we need to counsel you after this service. Because that's not what baseball bats are designed for. But you're going to need something with a sharp edge. Because certain things are made for certain purposes. And if we get the cause and the purpose, the purpose and the cause together, then we will have more energy and more results expelled rather than taking the wrong thing in the wrong way, wrong purpose, wrong, uh, wrong cause, and now we will be able to accomplish more when we're sharp than we could ever if we're dull. This is Psalm chapter 9. I'm going to read it here in just a moment, but let me give you some background. This is a Psalm of David. Now, when I read this, this really stood out to me because the guy who wrote this is the guy who faced the giant. You're familiar with the story? The two armies are locked at uh, the Valley of Elah. A giant by the name of Goliath comes out. He boasts himself, send me a man. And, and the one who comes out, it's not the man, it's the gawky teenager David. And David comes out and 
you know, no one believed in him really. And uh, he comes out with his sling. And uh, he stops at the brook and gets five smooth stones. Remember the story? How many of you know he didn't need the other four? Let me tell you why. He was a sharpshooter with a sling and a stone. And when that giant came out, David went to meet him. But in his interaction with the people who didn't believe in him, this is the line that David gives. When they said, why are you going? He said, is there not a cause? Jehovah is the true living God. This, this other idol, Dagon, is not God. Jehovah is God. And I'm going to go out there because there is a cause, the reason I'm going. And let me tell you, David put that smooth stone in that sling, and brother, he wound it up. And he, he struck pay dirt on the first sling, didn't he? The big guy's down. David takes his sword, cuts his head off. Sounds good before lunch. But anyway, he cuts his head off, holds it up. Everybody got courage. They, they go against the Philistines. David went out there with a razor, sharp purpose and cause. Folks, we need to have a sharp cause. We're here for the harvest. Now, please forgive me. I'm going to say something that's probably going to rub some of you really the wrong way. I've been in church most of my life, longer than some of you have even been alive. Sometimes we come to church, we shout, we dance, and we leave. We had a great time, and we didn't harvest anybody. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to tell you the reason that we do what we do, we're the laborers sent to the field with sharp edges to get a harvest. Not to celebrate just each other, that's good, that's wonderful. But let me tell you, there is a world that's going to go to hell until somebody tells them about a Savior named Jesus Christ. And we need some harvesters in the field. So, purpose, cause, verse 1, I will sing, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad, rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Verse 3, when my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at, at your presence, for you have maintained my right and my cause. You sat on the throne judging in righteousness. Now, what I did, I, I read this and I read it again, and this is what David said I'm going to do. And David had that cutting edge, and so if we want to have the same cutting edge, we do what he did. This is what I'm going to do. Number one, I'm going to praise you with my whole heart. I don't even know that's what we ought to do. We ought to praise him with our whole heart. Number two, I'm going to tell of your marvelous works. I'm going to be glad and rejoice in you. I'm going to praise your name. I'm going to war against the enemy, and I'm going to pursue righteousness. Those six things, David says, that's what I am going to do. Verse number four, because you've maintained my right and my cause and here we are looking at this man who gave us instruction of what we are to do listen let me close with this i believe one day every seat in this house will be filled again and again and again and again let me tell you why well number one i pray it almost every sunday without fail i mean every sunday whether i'm here or i'm not here i pray that this house will be filled 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 again now why would i believe that because our world is headed somewhere you don't want it to go, and our only hope is not the government. Okay, it, 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 it's not um, 
it's not all the education we have, and nothing wrong with that. We need all we can get. It's not going to be NATO. It's going to be Jesus Christ. And there's a world, as we race toward judgment, as we see the coming of Jesus Christ, there's a world, many of us are going to figure that out. And let me tell you, the greatest prayer meetings are yet in the future because we're going to see what's coming down the pike, what's coming down the road, and we're going to say our living hope is Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, I believe the greatest revival we're going to see is yet to come. Because the harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. I, I, I believe that. I believe that you and I are going to rise up to, to, to fulfill our calling and our purpose to reach out to other people, our neighbors, our friends, our family, because we are going to have that cutting edge for the harvest to see good things happen. And I also believe that the Word of God declares the souls of men and women need to be harvested for the kingdom. Um, do you remember Jesus teaching one day, and just in case you think I'm a long-winded preacher, which I'm really not. Some of you need to be convinced, but I'm really not. Jesus is teaching one day. He teaches so long. His own disciples, and of course, th this is not the setting. Matter of fact, we've, we've been to the place where Jesus supposedly taught uh, at, at this particular moment. His own disciples came to me and said, uh, Lord, you're kind of waxing long here. Because we usually try to dismiss around noon-ish. And, uh, and the disciples came to the Lord and said, Lord, you're kind of waxing long here. And uh, it's up in the evening, and these people need to get something to eat. They're, they're hungry. I mean, you, you've taught so long, these people are hungry now. And some of you are, some of you are going. <laughs> but his own disciples said, Lord, you, you've taught so long, uh, these people are getting hungry and Jesus turned to them and said you feed them you feed them and they looked in the offering and they said uh, we don't even have enough money to feed all these people you know where this is found and what the name of it is is called feeding the 5,000 now Jesus probably fed more than 5,000 because they only counted men so there might have been 20,000, there, there might have been 25,000, because they didn't count the, the women and the children. So the disciple says, Lord, let them go to McDonald's or you know, Burger King or somewhere, and, and we don't have enough money to pay for all the food. And Jesus said, you feed them. And the disciples look around, oh, if we're going to feed them, I mean, what's available? And there was a kid that had been to Long John Silver's, and, and he had a little bread and some fish. And so Jesus took what they had, and this was his custom. Listen close. He took it in his hands. He looked to heaven. He blessed it, and he broke it. In your life, if you feel like the Lord's breaking some things in your life, what you think is a problem can be a blessing. He looks to heaven. He blesses it, and he breaks it. And he says, now give them something to eat. Now you take these disciples, let's just take the 12. And they have baskets, and they're going to feed this multitude over 5,000. Would you think that maybe they're saying, here's something to eat, but just take a little bit because we don't have very much. 
just take a little bit. And so as they pass out these baskets, when they finish, everybody's had all they wanted. There's stuff left over, and we have a number. There's 12 baskets left over. And then Jesus says this. He says, gather up, gather up what remains. Or gather up the fragments, I think is what the King James says. Several years ago, Carrie and I started picking up some kids in Duncan. And parents didn't go to church. As a matter of fact, I don't know if they even liked us picking up their kids. And we brought them here. One today is a doctor. The other one lives in another part of uh, Oklahoma and is a musician. And so we began to take these kids to church, and they loved it, and they had a great time. They go home to their parents, and, and finally the parents started coming to church, and we, we saw some great things happen with that family. And one morning I got up, and we did this for a long time, and, you know, 20-something miles to, to pick up kids, take them back, pick up kids, take them back. And I got it one morning, and sometimes you think, is it worth it? Is, is the effort work, worth it? You know, do, do you put out that much effort? And I remember I got up that morning, and this verse, I, I really feel like the Holy Spirit spoke this to me in this, this scenario. That passage out of that event in the Bible, and he says, gather up the fragments that none would be lost. It is not God's will that any be, anybody be lost. It's his will that everyone should be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. God wants everyone to be saved. Will everybody be saved? No, because it was their choice. I know what God's choice is because he said what his choice is. I don't want to get into theology, but some people are messed up on that. I know what God's will is. And he did everything to save us. But we have to respond to what he did. Gather up the fragments that none may be lost. And let me tell you, you and I can do that. We can be a part of that process. We can be a part of that work. How do you know? Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth his labors in the field to gather the harvest. Will some of the harvest fall to the ground? Yes, it's biblical. But let's hope that so much of it will be brought into the barn, into the granary. You and I would rejoice bringing in the sheaves, right? They ought to write a song about that. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Who's bringing it in? Well, that passage says we are. We may sow in tears, but we're going to reap in joy. You may be here today and say, Pastor Mike, my life has been a wreck. I've messed it up. Other people's helped me mess it up. That's okay. Here's the good news. The Lord's here to help you today. Your life can radically be changed in a moment right here today because Jesus loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. And Sometimes we think this, and I think this, Lord, I've messed up so much, I don't even know why you'd love me. But guess what? He still does. His grace is sufficient in all of our lives would you bow your head with me today today if you don't know the lord or you need to come back to him if you need to make a return a return trip like the prodigal let me tell you he's waiting and looking for you if that's you very quickly 
And I'm going to let you go in just a moment. If you need the Lord, if you need to come back to Him, would you simply, simply lift up your hand and say, Pastor Mike, the Lord's dealing with my heart right now. Thank you. Is there somebody else that you just know that God is talking to you today to take some things in your life to another level to help you in ways that we can't even help ourselves? As they begin to play, I don't want to miss anybody here today. God loves you, and He cares for you. And he wants to have you in his life, and he wants you to be in his life. Now, here's the last thing I want to share with you and ask you. And I, I know it takes boldness and courage to respond, and I'll be the first one. How many of you would say with me, Pastor Mike, I want to be sharper than I've ever been before? I want to be sharp for the harvest. I want to be sharp for my family. I want to be sharp in my marriage. I want to be sharp in my company, my corporation. Be sharp in my finances. But most of all, God, I want to be sharp in your kingdom work. If that's you, and I'll, I'll be the first one this morning, would you raise your hand with mine and say, Pastor Mike, I want to be a sharp person. I want to be a sharp instrument in the hand of Almighty God today. Amen. Stand with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.